Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Today, I want to talk with you about pastoral discouragement. I recently read an article by Tom Rayner in which he enumerated some some causes of pastoral discouragement today, and in fact raised quite an alarm in which he said that a majority of pastors that he's surveying and talking with are indicating to him that they've never been closer to quitting than they are today. Now, the causes of pastoral discouragement are what he identified. I'd like to go beyond that today and talk about some solutions. And I'd like to talk about those solutions from two perspectives. First of all, for those of you who are not pastors, uh, what you can do to help with pastoral discouragement during this time. And then for those of you that are pastors, I want to talk with you specifically about some things you can do to make it through this challenging time. These are discouraging times. We are facing the pandemic, uh, social unrest, which has caused uh, destructive rioting in many uh, cities across our country, and of course, the political turmoil that is surrounding the upcoming presidential election. And so all of this uh, together makes for a very discouraging time in pastoral ministry. But beyond that, there are also uh, local challenges. For example, uh, people on the uh, Gulf Coast right now are dealing with the aftermath of the hurricanes that swept into our country about a week or so ago. And then in other parts of the country, uh, there are other isolated things like wildfires here in the West and uh, a drought and flooding in other places in the Midwest. And so uh, not only are there, there are these national concerns, but there are also local concerns. And then even within those local areas, there are what I call the micro concerns, and that is the things that are going on in a particular ministry setting. For example, uh, in the church where I attend, uh, we had a staff person who passed away, not of COVID, but of other causes. But this person died suddenly, and it was quite a blow emotionally to our church family. And so we are dealing with that in the context of all of the other things that are going on that I've already mentioned. So why are pastors discouraged? Well, first of all, they're weary from the pandemic and everything else that they're having to deal with. You know, pastors are just like everyone else. We are affected emotionally, uh, spiritually, and psychologically by all the things going on in our world. We're not immune uh, to what we see happening in the streets, to what we see happening in hospitals, to what we see happening in the election. Uh, we're not immune from the, from the difficulty that these things cause in human uh, experience. Second, uh, pastors are discouraged uh, about the fighting that's taking place among church members about these issues. Now, I recently spent some time with a pastor who was lamenting to me how much time he was spending refereeing arguments among church members about who they're going to vote for for president, whether or not they should wear a mask, how much social distancing is required, whether or not the church should be meeting in person on Sundays or not, whether the church should be meeting outdoors or not. Um, all of these political and social issues are boiling up within churches, of course, and church members are taking sides and arguing with each other. And pastors find themselves thrust into the middle of these things. Another reason for pastoral discouragement is that they're discouraged about losing members and attendance. Uh, there is no doubt that the pandemic has caused attendance to plummet at churches across the country. And uh, that's been a discouraging thing for many pastors. And the real concern that many of them have, of course, is that those people aren't coming back. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. 
Another reason pastors are discouraged is they're concerned about the church's finances and their own financial support going into the future. And if they're not concerned about their own financial support, they may be concerned about the support of the people who work with them or support for making the building payment or something like that that the church may be facing. Financial uncertainty is certainly real right now, and it's certainly a problem that causes pastors to be discouraged. Um, another reason is that criticisms of pastors have increased significantly. Uh, pastors find themselves being the, the object of criticism for almost every kind of thing going wrong right now and how it affects the church. I was uh, working recently with a church and overheard a pastor having a conversation with one of their members. The member happened to stop by. Uh, the church was preparing to do outdoor worship, and the member saw the, the stage being built and said rather critically, why are you building such a large stage? We could have made do with a lot smaller stage. There's no need for all this work. And the pastor very quietly explained, well, if we're going to have a stage with people on it, we have to model social distancing on the platform. Therefore, we need a large enough stage to hold six to ten people that will be involved at the worship service. Well, she's huffed off and uh, muttering under her breath how ridiculous it was that they were building such a large stage. And I thought to myself, that pastor didn't need that criticism. He didn't need that attack. And I also thought how beautifully he handled that situation. But pastors are being criticized for all kinds of things right now, including some things that are frivolous or ridiculous. And then the workload for pastors has either increased or at least changed substantially uh, during this time of upheaval in our, in our churches. Uh, pastors are doing less than they used to do of certain things and more than they're accustomed to of other things. And on top of all of that, they've had to learn a whole new skill set, particularly as it relates to being involved with media and involved with uh, broadcasting online and those kinds of things. Well, those are the reasons that uh, Tom Rayner identified in his article that pastors are discouraged. But I want to move beyond that today, and I want to talk about what can you do about it. So first of all, let's talk about it from the perspective of uh, you as a follower. You're not a pastor. Uh, you're a deacon or an elder or a Sunday school teacher. You're a church member. You're a casual attender. Uh, you're maybe a staff person, but you're not the pastor. What can you do uh, to eliminate some of this pastoral discouragement? Well, let me give you five things. Number one, stop complaining and criticizing. Just stop it. Just stop it. Stop complaining and criticizing about what's going wrong in the culture, what's going wrong with our politicians, what's going wrong in your church. Just stop. Your venting isn't helping. And you venting on your pastor isn't helping you or him. Stop complaining and stop criticizing. Just stop it. You may say, well, it's hard. I know, but stop it anyway. Stop complaining and criticizing against your pastor or toward your pastor, especially for things over which he has absolutely no control or responsibility. Second, share a compliment or an encouragement. Share a compliment or an encouragement. Now, quite frankly, I, I've got a great job here at Gateway. I, I work with the smartest, most spiritually committed people. 
that I've ever been around. I, I'm in a mission-focused organization that has minimal disruption, minimal disruption. Uh, we come to work every day with a single-mindedness to get our mission accomplished and to do what we're here to, to do. And we don't spend a lot of wasted time frivolously talking about what's on Twitter or what's going on in social media or what so-and-so said about so-and-so or anything like that. We just stay focused on our work here. But even in that context, I have to tell you, there's days when I am discouraged, when I just feel low, and I think, man, are we getting anywhere? Is this working? How am I going to deal with this problem? How am I going to deal with that problem? And especially during the pandemic, when there's been so many uncertainties about schools and about gatherings and about meetings and about legal ramifications and um, medical uh, uh, protocols and all of this stuff. And I don't know what's motivated them to do it, but there's been people out there who just out of the blue have sent me encouraging notes. I've gotten handwritten notes. I've gotten email notes. And I'm not talking about 10 a day. I'm talking about one or two a week at the most. But I've been getting these random notes from different people at different times, and they have meant so much to me. Just a little note that says, I'm praying for you. I believe in you. I know you're having a hard time. Uh, just know that a lot of us out here are standing with you. Just little notes like that that keep me going. It's been a rough time. I admire your uh, willingness to stick with your work and to stand by our mission and to stay faithful to our church. I saw how you helped this particular person. I heard how you uh, solved this particular problem. Um, I, I just want you to know that I'm with you. I support you. I'm standing with you. I'm praying for you. Sit down today and write that note or write that email and let your pastor know that you really are for them. This kind of encouragement is like a cold drink on a hot day. Uh, it, it's like a soothing ointment on a burning wound. It, it, it's, it's like, a, it's like a, 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 a nice meal that comes when you're famished. Listen, encouragement is so important, and encouraging words matter so much. Now, you may think, yeah, but I'm nobody, and I don't really know what I think doesn't matter, and, and what I say isn't going to make that much difference. Listen, you're way underestimating yourself, way underestimating yourself. It is so vital that those of us who have pastors say encouraging words to them. Uh, sit down and write a note, make a phone call, send an email. If you have to, make it a text message. But in the most personal and meaningful way possible, say to your uh, pastor, thank you. Give them a compliment. Give them some, some encouragement. Number three, another way you can confront pastoral discouragement right now is to assure your pastor of your support emotionally, spiritually, and financially. Now, you've already done it emotionally if you've done what I just said in number two, and that is you've written a note or you've sent an email or you've sent some kind of communication that says, I'm with you, I believe in you, I see what you're doing, I'm standing with you, be encouraged. But you can also encourage them spiritually by praying for them, uh, by complimenting them on the spiritual impact they're having in your life, and by letting them know that their example of following Jesus makes a difference in your life. And then assure them of your support by, by uh, your financial support. 
Now, what I mean by that is uh, let your pastor know that you're not going to waver on your financial support of the church and its ministry during this pandemic or during any kind of difficulty that you're facing. I hope that you've grown to the point that you're not giving out of emotions or giving because you feel like it or giving because you think uh, you support the current uh, flavor of the ministry that's being done. I hope you're way past that. You know, I've grown to a place in my stewardship where I give as a disciplined steward uh, responsible to God for honoring him with my wealth. And so whether things are up or down, whether things are good or bad, whether I like what's going on or don't, whether it's touching me the way I think it ought to touch me or not, I still give. In fact, uh, just to show you that I'm putting feet to my own uh, instruction here, this past Monday, I had a phone call with my pastor in which I encouraged him personally, complimented him on his leadership, and then said, I want you to know where I am financially with our church. I want you to know that my giving for the rest of this year is going to remain solid. And then, starting in January, we anticipate some additional giving that we'll be able to do to the church and its ministries. I want him to know that I'm supporting financially the church during this difficult time, that I'm not going to waver. No, we're not having all the worship services we normally have. We're not having all the programs we normally have. We're not going on camps. We're not doing mission trips. We're not having the Bible studies. We're not doing the need meeting ministries that we normally do. We've significantly scaled back what we're able to do during the pandemic, but we're doing it with focus and intentionality, and we are making a difference. I'm making sure that my finances are a part of that. So assure your pastor of your support spiritually, emotionally, and financially. And then let your pastor know that he's not responsible for everything. Uh, help your pastor understand that he's not responsible for the pandemic and he's not responsible for every person's response to the pandemic. And if someone in your church gets COVID, he's not responsible for that happening. And He's not responsible to solve all the political conflicts in our nation and to reconcile the Republicans and Democrats in your church family so that they all see things the same way. Uh, he, he's not responsible for uh, dealing with and solving every instance of racism in your community. He's not responsible. You know, I'm often asked why I don't comment on, on things more often, like, for example, on Twitter, or why I don't uh, uh, blog daily about what's going on in our world. And the, frank, the fact of the matter is, uh, I don't feel a responsibility to speak to every single issue that comes along. Uh, I just, I'm just not responsible for that. And so I try to be very selective about what I talk about and try to talk about things in a principled fashion that will make a general difference or a, a difference in, in, in a principled way generally in the situation rather than comment on every single thing that comes along. Help your pastor know he's not responsible for everything or to have a comment or an opinion or an idea or a solution for every problem. And then finally, you can also help your pastor by normalizing the new and helping the pastor to redefine his role in an acceptable way. Normalizing the new. You know, things have changed. And while all of us long to get back to some familiar patterns, as I've already talked about on other podcasts, we aren't going back to those patterns. Now, we're going back to some of the patterns, but we're not going back to old patterns. For example, I believe that churches will... Uh, reinvigorate public worship as a primary means of gathering for preaching and uh, singing and praying and giving. I believe that's coming back. But I also believe that most churches, if they intend to have a meaningful impact in the future, will maintain their electronic media presence going forward. 
In other words, if you've switched from face-to-face to online worship services during the pandemic, even though you may be going back to face-to-face services in some kind of context, you shouldn't abandon the uh, electronic version of what you're doing. And in fact, I don't see you ever being able to abandon that. So the work of pastors is going to change. Not only will, be, will, we, will we be responsible for leading public worship services in a live context week by week, but we're also going to be responsible for producing a high-quality online version that can be delivered to people who either can't attend, who are traveling, who are home with sick kids, or who just simply choose to access the ministry of our church for whatever reason electronically. Now, you may say, well, I don't really think we ought to do that. Well, you may think that, but you're going to lose contact with your people because they're going to be expecting that going forward as a result of the pandemic. So part of helping your pastor get past the discouragement he's feeling right now is helping him to normalize the new and to recognize that his job has changed. You recognize that, you embrace that, and you want to support him as he does those new things. Okay, so far on the podcast today, we talked about some reasons for pastoral discouragement, borrowing from an article recently written by Tom Rayner. And then I've talked about some things you can do as a non-pastor to help your pastor to deal with his discouragement. But now for the last part of the podcast, I want to talk to pastors about what they can do, what they can do to deal with their own discouragement. And the first thing I want to say, which is a giant umbrella over the other five things I will say, is this. Do not quit. Do not quit. The worst time to step away from a ministry leadership responsibility is when things are going badly, when you are discouraged, when you are depressed, when you are hurting, when you're not feeling strong about your commitments, your calling, or your role of leadership. That's the worst time to step away because that's the time when you're likely to step away for the wrong reason. Now, I've talked about this on other podcasts. There are certainly reasons to leave a ministry situation, certainly reasons to leave, and there are good and healthy and positive reasons to leave. Let's make sure that if you quit, you quit in the context of those good and healthy and positive reasons, not in the context of negative, discouraging, or wrong reasons. And so, first of all, if you're discouraged today, do not quit. But then what can you do to address your discouragement? Well, number one, realize not all the conflict going on around you and being directed at you is your fault. It's not your fault, and you're not responsible to resolve it. If two people in your church are arguing over who they're going to vote for for president, that is their problem, not yours. Let them work it out. You don't have to get involved in every debate or solve every dilemma. If two people in your church are arguing over the best response to stopping racism in our culture, let them work it out. You do not have to step in and resolve it every single time. Now, when it escalates to the point that it begins to impact the fellowship of your church or when it escalates into a public conflict that may need to be addressed in that context, yes, you may have to get involved. But even then, you are not responsible to solve the conflict. You're only responsible to mitigate the impact and damage it has on your church ministry. Now, pastors have a lot of conflict vented on them and a lot of criticism vented on them during times like we're living through right now. And it's partly because people feel that the pastor is often a safe person where they can vent, and they also feel like that he's the only place perhaps where they can vent in a difficulty or in a circumstance where they're feeling stressed. Let me give you an example. You may have heard of the kick the cat syndrome. 
kick the cat syndrome. It works like this. Um, a husband has a really bad day at work. He comes home and he yells at his wife. The wife goes into another room. She's now upset because her husband yelled at her and she yells at one of the children. That child gets upset, goes out in the backyard and yells at his brother. Now the brother is upset and he stomps around the house and sees the cat laying on the front porch just to sleep in the sun and hauls off and kicks the cat. The poor cat's flying through the air wondering, what in the world did I do to deserve that? Well, nothing. The father yelled at the mother. The mother yelled at the child. The child yelled at a sibling. The sibling kicked the cat. Now that's what pastors are experiencing right now. People are frustrated about what's happening to them at work. They're frustrated about what's happening to them at school. They're frustrated about what's happening to them in the culture, in the community. They're frustrated about what's happening in the politics. They're frustrated what's happening in the pandemic. They're frustrated what's happening in racism and other social justice issues. They are frustrated, and they kick the cat, meaning they take it out on a pastor. Pastor, if that's happening to you, the bad news is there's not a lot you can do about it because pastors are people that that are seen as safe harbors or safe haven, havens for this kind of venting. But what you can do is recognize when it's happening that you are not the cause of it, uh, you're not responsible to internalize it or to take responsibility for it, and you are not the fault. It's not your fault what's being ta- told to you or what's being said to you. So the first thing I would say to do with you, deal, your, deal with your discouragement is that realize that all the conflict and all the criticism and all the turmoil going on around you that's being vented on you is not your fault. Second, a second way to deal with your discouragement is to accept the fact that some people who've left your church or who've, who've left your ministry are not coming back. Now, I know this is hard to hear, but uh, it's just the fact of the matter. Uh, casual Christians are, are not coming back. People who weren't really Christians that were participating in your church, they've been exposed. They're not coming back. Your church will likely have a diminished attendance when all of this turmoil is over. By the time we get to next spring, next summer, uh, you're going to look around and you're going to see that you have a smaller ministry than you had before. That is not also your fault. Uh, You've done everything you can do during this pandemic to hold the church together as well as you can. Uh, the reality is some people are not coming back and we're going to have to accept that and then make a decision of how we're going to move on in light of it. Number three, prepare for financial shortfalls or setbacks. Now, this has been a very interesting thing. Some churches have had pretty significant financial setbacks and shortfalls during the pandemic. Others, not so much. But what has happened is the old rule that 80, uh, 20% of the people give 80% of the money has proven true. Those 20%, they haven't gone anywhere. So most of you still have that 80% of your money that you always had because that 20% core remains strong. <clears throat> it's the balance of the rest of the resources that you're missing right now or that may have left and probably isn't coming back. And so you're going to have to make some plans to deal for financial shortfalls or setbacks. Now, you may be one of those churches that says, well, during the pandemic, because we've had less expense, even though we've had less income, we've been okay. Well, good for you. I hope that has been your experience. 
Uh, that's certainly been our experience here at the seminary. We've had uh, shortfalls because of the cooperative program declining slightly. Uh, frankly, it's been coming back strongly in the past month or so, and we're grateful for that, but we had some decline that we had to deal with. Uh, we were concerned about some other declines, which we were pro projecting, uh, which also haven't materialized to the level that we projected them. But nevertheless, we planned for some setbacks, but we also had reduced expenses, which meant that overall, uh, we've been fine. But as we're looking into the future, and I hope as you're looking into the future, you recognize that there may still be some financial setbacks or some financial shortfalls that are coming. None of us knows what's going to happen to the economy after the election in November. Uh, none of us knows what's going to happen if the uh, virus uh, really uh, expands significantly its impact during the winter months. Uh, no, none of us know what's really going to happen when the stimulus plans are all exhausted and the government stops propping up industries and stops propping up the mortgage and, uh, uh, and, the, and the rental uh, income uh, markets. We just don't know what's going to happen. So one of the ways to solve your future discouragement is to make some decisions now to plan for some financial setbacks and shortfalls. In other words, adjust your expectations and realize things are just going to need to be planned more frugally and we're going to need to tighten our belts and restrict our budgets and hold back our spending plans for the next year or two. Now, that doesn't mean that things can't be better than we hoped and then we'll be able to do more than we planned. But listen, if you're a pastor, you have to plan for some worst-case contingencies right now and make sure that you are planning very frugally financially and with some expectation that you're going to have some cushion built in to whatever you have to do going forward. And that may mean some hard decisions, but those hard decisions have to be made because you have to prepare for financial shortfalls and setbacks in order to prevent the discouragement that comes from not having the money to meet your obligations. And then number four, Redefine your expectations of ministry effectiveness. Now, before the pandemic and before all this turmoil and upheaval in our culture, pastors were doing their jobs and they had a set of expectations and they knew that if they met those expectations, they could feel good about their work and their people would be generally pleased with what they did. And, and that's, that's what our, uh, that, that, those were the reasonable expectations of effectiveness. And we knew what those were. Now, even though we may not have articulated them carefully, we, we knew what they were. We knew we had to preach a certain number of times, lead a certain number of Bible studies, make a certain number of, uh, of uh, hospital or bereavement visits. We knew we had to make some evangelistic visits, have some counseling sessions. We knew we had to do some planning meetings and lead and prepare for Bible studies and preaching times. We knew what we had to do in order to accomplish our work. And when we saw the accomplishment, we knew that defined our effectiveness and and, and we just, uh, even though some of this stuff was not written out and defined in that sense, it was pretty clearly defined in our minds, at least, and in our experiences, what we needed to do. Well, those days have changed. And now, what defines ministry effectiveness is very different. Now we're defining ministry effectiveness by the quality of our online worship service and by the number of click-throughs we get to our website and the number of people who are watching the entirety of our services and how to measure those things by using electronic uh, means to uh, determine uh, different uh, matrices and different uh, rubrics to understand what's really happening with the people who are engaging us in that format. We're also having to redefine what it means to be successful evangelistically as we think about how we're sharing the gospel and reaching people and what that's going to look like in a different context or different methodology. 
Uh, we're having to redefine success and what it looks like in terms of participation and attendance and uh, those kinds of issues. And so uh, it's important right now to, to redefine what effectiveness looks like. In other words, you should have a new set of statistics, a new set of data, a new set of accomplishments, a new set of checklists that will help you to know if you're really being effective in the new normal that we're working with today. So stop measuring yourself by the old measuring sticks and measure yourself by some new and more legitimate standards of pastoral effectiveness. And then finally, another way to deal with your discouragement is to reassess your workload and make some adjustments. Now, before all of this uh, upheaval happened in our, in our lives, uh, we had a workload and a work pattern, and we, we knew what we were supposed to do every week, and, and we did it. And pastors were like that. But now, with all of this that's gone on, that has all been changed. And I, I've gone through that here uh, as, uh, at the seminary. For example, uh, I speak extensively across the country uh, every year in a number of different events. I usually average about 50 events a year away from Gateway, uh, conferences, conventions, uh, seminars, all kinds of things. That's all gone. Uh, I have spoken at one leadership conference since March, and this is now, what, September? Uh, they're just gone because people aren't gathering for those kinds of events. I've had to switch and do a lot of Zoom presentations and other electronic communications to try to meet some needs of, that people have raised and asked me to address in those kinds of contexts. But nevertheless, my workload has been significantly adjusted during the pandemic away from traveling and speaking and toward some other things. So when this first happened, I, I, I was, a, a, quite frankly, a little off my game. Like, well, what am I doing every day? And what am I preparing for? And where am I going? And why aren't I going? And what do I do instead? And how do I connect? And all of that stuff was having to be worked out. And frankly, it, it took me a while. I don't want to mislead you. I didn't get that done in 24 hours, okay? It took like a couple of months to get this thing figured out. But now I feel like I've sort of reassessed my workload. I've made some adjustments. And I'm no longer discouraged by thinking I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not accomplishing anything. I'm not being productive. Now I realize, okay, I have a new set of accomplishments, a new set of tasks, a new way to measure my productivity. And I'm going to focus on those things and that's my new normal. That's my new workload. That's a reassessed workload that I've adjusted to, and now I'm able to accomplish some things that really do help me to feel better about myself and better about my work and be less discouraged about the fact that I'm not getting anywhere in terms of accomplishing my mission and that I'm really on track again to get these things done. Well, pastoral discouragement, it's real. Uh, it's very strong right now because of all that we're dealing with in our culture and in our churches. If you're not a pastor, I've given you some things you can do to encourage your pastor today. If you are a pastor, I've given you some things you can do to minimize the discouragement you're feeling right now. This is a difficult time, no doubt about it, but I know you can make it through. Deal with your discouragement as you lead on.